We have new cats. We have hired an illustrator who has designed us custom cats, and they will be launching on the website soon. Do we add, do we, do we put Fathom back on Product Hunt for this, Jack? I think so. I think so. Hey, don't forget the merch. It's coming. Yes. All right, fine, sir. What is on the docket for today, for the show? Well, today we've been very organized and we had an episode prepared, so we didn't need to tweet anything out last minute. (laughs) Except that I tweeted last minute. (laughs) What do you want Jack and I to talk about today? And if you were lucky enough to get involved, we're going to answer your questions. So this is the episode where we answer your questions. Now, can we do some sort of dub over that? You know how they do on the shows where... It's well, I can, I can just add an echo to your voice and make it sound like you're in the Grand Canyon or something. That sounds beautiful. Hey, so before we get into the questions, should we talk about anything interesting that's happening or should we keep it secret? Um, let's not uh, put the cart before the horse. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, fine. I won't talk about the acquisition. By Google. <laughs> okay, so let's, without further ado, let's dive into the questions. Sure. So what's your favorite pancake recipe? Fucking Matt. <laughs> I don't even think Matt listens to the show. If you do, Matt, I guess I'm wrong, but... Yes, um, recipe, pancakes, eggs, flour, and butter. Imagine you're tuning into our podcast to listen to ethics and business, <laughs> and this pancake recipe is the first question. Uh, I think my pancake recipe usually includes flour, soy milk, a bit of um, baking powder, and some oil or vegan butter. Nothing too no fancy. Egg. No eggs. Well, yeah, no egg. Yeah, I suppose you don't really know anyone that has eggs, do you? <laughs> <laughs> is that an inside joke? It is an inside joke. I have neighbors with chickens. They're, they're roosters. <laughs> wake us up at three in the morning and go until i guess three in the morning the next day basically life is great how's your 2020 yep 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 so that sounds good like a good recipe (laughs) so let's go into anna's question anna gregorian and it's i know you kind of spoke about this but i'm interested how solo founders do stuff if you have to do coding marketing and business relations or when is the time to find a co-founder uh, she wants to hear more about the working process and the organization if we're up for it we are and that's a good question because it's when are you so stretched you know when do you decide to bring someone on you couldn't do design programming marketing everything yourself you know we there's two of us she's actually asking if you're a solo company when do you bring someone on yeah, I mean, there's lots of different parts we can kind of go into. Let's start with the finding time for a co-founder. Then we can talk about um, if you have to do all of the things, how do you prioritize? And then um, process and organization. So when it's time for a co-founder, obviously for, for Fathom, it was the very start, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I realized um, I tweeted out about analytics sucking and I wanted them to be simpler and more private. So I did a mock-up. 
people wanted that. And I was like, okay, well, I can't write application code. I can program front-end framework stuff, but I can't do back-end stuff. I can't, I can't write software from scratch. I can just edit your code poorly and then commit it to a GitHub repo, and then you change it. <laughs> um, so I think right off the bat, uh, one thing is that you may have to find a co-founder in the beginning. I think if that's not the case, then if it gets to a point where you have, where you're too busy, I don't think you need to necessarily look for a co-founder in the beginning, but maybe you do, and I'll talk about that next. But if you get to a point where it's so busy that you need somebody, or you realize when you're working on it and it's building traction and, and building revenue that it would be better if I had somebody else involved, then I think that makes sense. But I would argue next <laughs> that it may be good sometimes to go for a co-founder right from the get-go because you have somebody to bounce ideas off of. You have somebody to internally debate with, like like Jack and I do, um, before anything hits the public or gets to our customers. Jack and I basically debate every nitpick detail in detail until we're sure that what we think is the best path forward is the best path forward. What would you add to that? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think one of the things you get into as well is the equity. So if you bring a co-founder on after you've spent a year busting your ass, it's going to be a lot harder to say, hey, here's 50%. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, it's it's very hard for a individual founder to just wear all of these different hats and be productive with all of those hats, be a good hat wearer. So really, you're, you've got to choose between getting a founder who you don't have to pay, but you share equity with, or putting up your own capital and trying to find freelancers and contractors, which you absolutely can do, but it comes back to the whole skin in the game thing. What skin in the game does a contractor have? And, and I'm not dismissing contractors. I'm just talking, and it's tricky because some contractors really do, you know, they bring it. But I just don't think that a contractor is going to have the same skin in the game. Well, they don't. The contractor doesn't have the same skin in the game as a co-founder does. But that said, the contractor you hire may be more skilled than a co-founder. So ideally, you want a co-founder who is actually a contractor who has experience doing it and you share equity. I, I would say that because we hire freelancers and contractors all the time, but we hire them for specific one-off jobs, right? And that's where I think it makes a ton of sense. If you need somebody all the time, every day, then you could hire somebody on contract or as a freelancer, but it probably makes sense to not have them in that role. I just, I, there, there's been so many lawsuits in, in that with... Um, with all of these like rideshare services about uh, all of these people aren't employees or contractors, but if they do the work all day, every day, then they're probably more like employees than, than, than freelancers. So for us, I think it made sense for us to be co-founders because you and I both have work to do all day, every single day on Fathom. This is what we do for a living. But if we need somebody to help with SEO or GDPR compliance as a, a, on a one-off basis, then yeah, we're going to hire that person as a contractor. So that's interesting though then. So why, and I guess once you've had the co-founder or you're a solo founder, you're established, a lot of people will hire employees and not give them equity. Because co-founder, one of the big things, one of the big differences between a co-founder and an employee is obviously the control of the company at a high level, decision-making, that kind of thing. 
why would an employee not get equity? Um, I don't know. I think if I ever had to hire employees, I, I would strongly consider equity because I so think I that Basecamp, that makes yeah. a big difference. I know Basecamp put something out about not giving equity, and I don't know the reasons though. So this is a <laughs> this is useless. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I'd add that bit of information um, there. All right. So if if we're thinking about, okay, we have all this stuff to do. We have coding, marketing, writing, business relations, all of that. How do we, how do we make sure those things get done? How do we prioritize those things when there are all of the things that need doing? What do we do? And what do we do first? Well, we, I mean, me and you would talk, talk about things, what the priorities are. And then we'd, I'm boring and you're boring. We both have to-do lists. <laughs> we talk about the priorities. We establish them. We have a to-do list and that's pretty much it. Then it gets done. Yeah. I mean, very we, boring, use, but. we use Basecamp and everything is organized in Basecamp. And I think when we have a lot of things to do, um, we just talk about it endlessly on Telegram first Yeah, yeah <laughs> instead of doing true. it. I'm joking. Yeah. Um, so then the final thing, more on working process organization. I get it is pretty boring. Like we organize so everything yeah. in Basecamp for tasks. We talk about everything we need to either on the phone or on Telegram. If we need to work through problems together, we do that in real time, typically using Tuple. And that works for us. That, is, that yeah. won't work for everyone, but that works for us. And we usually get breakthroughs by just throwing the idea back and forward. Yeah, and I mean it works for us too because we're a team of two people. It would look it would look so different if it was a team of 30 or a team of 500, but for the two of us it makes sense that Jack and I between our two skill sets can cover all of the bases that we need currently to run Fathom as a business. And then if we need any outside support, like I said, it's typically one-off stuff like we hired um for SEO uh, and that and, and other people to do other specific projects. But yeah, it's pretty, we keep it as, as simple and as minimal as possible because it is only two of us and we're in constant communication all day on Telegram. Yeah. So Telegram, Basecamp, GitHub, we are so simple and so boring. That's pretty much it. Boring. Okay, Micah, curious about your design development cycle. How do you generate ideas, decide on what's good, and then execute in design and development? Do you want to talk about dev first and I'll talk about design? Yeah, sure. I mean, the first thing we got there before the design and dev is the ideas. How do we get the ideas? We've spoken about this before in an earlier podcast episode. Um, we The main thing, though, outside of all the bullshit, the main thing is how many customers will this impact in a positive way? That's the leading question with everything. So uptime monitoring, that was going to impact everyone. That was going to save every single person, especially those who have uptime monitoring that they're paying for already. It's going to save them money and it's going to save them, I guess, just stress, you know, save them stress. That's, the, that's what we look at. There's nothing more to it. As for how we get the ideas in the first place, they can come out of anywhere. We can be doing random stuff. They'll pop into our heads. And then in addition to that, obviously, we listen to the customers. Very important to listen to customers and keep track of who wants what. Yeah, I mean, we tag ideas in Help Scout um, as far as looking for trends. We have enough customers at this point where we can... I don't have to airhorn it out, don't worry. <laughs> 
Um, we have enough customers at this point where we can kind of look at trends in what people are asking for. And then the other thing that we do to determine new ideas is push them up against our, our two core values as a business. So the first is simplicity and the second is privacy. For any feature to exist in Fathom, it has to be simple for our customers to use and it has to focus on preserving digital privacy. And so with that in mind, it makes it easy. Like we wouldn't add something that tracks targeted ads because that is not private. We wouldn't do something that requires 18 clicks to get from point A to point B because that is not mm -hmm. simple. We're in a sweet spot where we can now look at these trends. Before we had these trends, one of the key things was vision. And we listened to some of the customers early on, but we did have a vision for what we wanted. So you need to have this, this vision. That's, yeah, you have to have a vision. If you don't have a vision, then you, you can't really start, can you? Yeah. And at this point too, we still feel like at the moment, Fathom is great value for the money um, for the the type the right type of customer because obviously we're not right for every single person on the internet. I mean, we're not a budget service. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're way basic, <laughs> which I'm gonna just gonna <laughs> keep coming back to. Um, but I think that it just there's still things that we want to add to it, which we're working on currently. Uh, to make it even better without increasing the price. So there's that as well, where we feel like we're in a good place right now, but we feel like we can do even better for the people uh, who Fathom is correct for. Um, and then as far as just straight up development cycles, uh, how, how does that work for us? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it a cycle, but I suppose it has turned into a cycle. And this is where it's funny. And this is where the simplicity of things come into play. We will typically build something out. We'll build a version one. We will then critique it. And, and this isn't something that takes months. This isn't something that delays us from getting things live. And it can take months, actually. Custom <laughs> domains took a while. But the too long didn't read is that we will not go live with something if it's not simple. I think, and that can push things back. Um, they have to be it has to be high quality like a custom domains that is globally available we have multiple servers around the world we have a centralized highly available storage for all ssl certificates i mean these are just we had to get we have to get things right when we're building things so it has to be right it has to be simple and um, we both have to be happy with it so it has turned into this cycle where we do go back and forth but i mean in terms of development cycle we spec out what we want we build it and then we push it live. Well, no, we go into testing. Yeah, we we we, we typically test it internally, then test it with a few beta testers. John, <laughs> most of the time, yes, tests yes, it, and, yes. and a few other customers. And Brian, yeah, yeah. Miguel. Um, yeah. So one of the things here as well that I always realize when we get questions like this, we don't spend time putting in place formal processes. The advantage of having a two-person company, and this is where it differs from the big companies, is that we don't need these formal processes because it's a case of us talking. So the development cycle is very, very flexible. There's no formal process. Yeah. And then as far as design goes, we don't just grab a Tailwind template and, and use that for everything we do. I mean, I love Tailwind. I think it's great. I think it's so much better than some of the other um, UI frameworks out there. But everything that you see as design elements in Fathom 
are 100% custom. I have thought... because you're a designer. Yes, that's been, that's been my life for over two decades now. So every button, every padding, every rounded corner, every font size, all the kerning, all the colors, every single thing I think about and, and sweat over to make sure it's easily understandable by the user and then on the UX side that the flow of everything that we do is as simple for our customers to understand both the first time they see it and then the next subsequent times, if it's a feature that they use over and over again, that is going to be something that is easy for them to use and isn't frustrating. Like, oh, I already know how to do this. Like, I just want to get from point A to point B. So we sweat every single minute little detail. And it isn't even, I don't think design is a cycle unless we're working on a new feature and it's paired with the development of a feature. But I'm always thinking about, it's like a constant thing where I'm thinking about the interface of the application of the front end site of the artwork for the the podcast for everything so it's not really a cycle it's a always in my head always i i want to make it i just always want to make it better for every i don't consider anything in the interface finished i consider it needing improvement and anytime i think of new improvement i I tell jack i want to do this and then he's like oh fuck i gotta update all the templates or i've got to teach you how to use ember or something like that oh it definitely got to that point yeah where we brought you into the actual front end stuff we use ember.js on the front end so paul's been playing around with that more which is exciting because before we had two separate code bases where we'd have the front end yeah. and then i'd put it in from the front end but now paul's actually getting stuck into the ember which is uh, which you've done quickly now one of the things i will say a lot of people do use tailwind and things like that you I mean, we are very lucky that we have a designer mm-hmm. because a lot of people can't design or they can design, but it's shit, you know? So a lot of, I mean, one thing I'd say, if you're a programmer and you're going into business, don't partner with someone that's going to bring nothing to your business. Honestly, and this may sound controversial, but don't just partner with a marketer. I think like market it's tricky because marketers can be good, but you do want someone. Am I just going to be controversial today? I think so. As a programmer, okay, as a programmer personally, I'm not, I don't want to give this as advice because I'm just thinking about if you don't have someone who can do marketing, your product never takes off and your product's just stuck. But I do think you want to partner with someone that can bring something like design to the table. However, I need to be careful here because I can't make these these bold statements just because I believe them. It's a marketer can actually change the course of your company. If you have someone that's good at content, for example, they could bring attention to your product. Even if your product's shit, they could bring attention. We've seen this happen. Mm-hmm. Even if your product's shit, even if, you, <laughs> sorry, even if your product is shit, a marketer can bring attention to it and bring you some revenue. And before you know it, you'll hit $1,000 and $2,000 and what have you. But for me personally, I know how to market. Um, so I, ah, that's it. Nope. There you go. I finally completed my thought. It takes okay. me a few seconds. Go with a co-founder that is going to bring you a value that you can't do yourself. I can't design. I'm crap at design. Paul is insane at design. So that's a, it's a great match. And the design brings so much value to the product. If I could design and code, I would, if I was starting a business, I would look for someone who does perhaps just marketing, fill in the gaps. So when I'm saying don't, don't get someone who does just marketing, I'm saying that because I can do marketing. If I can't do marketing and a lot of programmers can't, get someone that can do marketing. 
Well, there we go. That's not controversial. That's that's that that makes sense. I, I would say as well that it can't just marketing on its own doesn't it won't take a, a business too far. We've seen this where people spend uh, millions of dollars on marketing, but if it's a shit product, it doesn't fucking matter. Like it may work in the short term. But you all you have to not just be focused on marketing, you have to be focused on making your product better as well. So if you have a co-founder who's just involved in marketing and not involved in making the product better, then that can get problematic, I think, in the long term. Whereas both of us care first about the product and making good software. Like that is the core of what Fathom is, is we want to continue to make good software, really good software. But on the other side of that, part of uh, having a business and running a business is fucking marketing it. Like you you can't just say, oh, I've, I've made this great product. Like people are just going to show up. Not how it works. So you yeah, have to sure. you have to do that as well. So I think it's hard if you have somebody who's just focused externally and not internally, whereas both of us are focused internal and external. Marketing a crap product will still get you to a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, to be clear, we've seen that happen. Yeah. Um, and give examples of that. But uh, Paul, Paul's right, though. You do need to have someone that's actually going to be involved in both. Um, yeah, I don't know. You do have these developers that are savages, like they can do design and development and they do them both at high levels. And that does intrigue me. Yeah. I mean, it's speaking, speaking of Tailwind, Adam is just a savage at making products and selling them to at at insane volumes to people and he doesn't consider himself much of a marketer i think he's an amazing phenomenal marketer and i think that's why things that he has created um like refactoring ui or tailwind have just taken off because he does those things so well but he also has i guess coming back to anna he also has uh steve as a partner in those things to, to make those things better. And I think they're both of their skill sets play off each other really, really well. Yeah. I'm a bit, I've become a big fan of the designer developer hybrid. Yeah. Um, I really have. And I know that's biased because that's what we are. And Adam and Steve are that, but, but yeah, that's, that's what I like. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I, I like what transistor do as well. You've got John who does just development and Justin now does marketing. He also does some of the design and he does some of the, coding as well on the website yeah and support I think that's a good hybrid and and support yeah. as well so oh and that's just it the marketing and being a people yeah support can be yeah so they're they're both focused internally and externally yeah that's a good way of, of kind of bringing it up high level is you want to be focused on both those things yeah so how um Ilya Ilya I don't know how to say um his name unfortunately um, as some folks mentioned, it's interesting to hear about your way of self-organization as a small team and that pancake recipe. I think we've covered those two points. Was there anything else you wanted to add about organization? How do you organize your day? Like when you get up and you read through and then summarily ignore all of my messages on Telegram, how do you organize, <laughs> how do you organize your day? Yeah, I mean, most days I'm very unorganized. I, I do ping between a lot of things I'm doing. So at the moment, Paul's working hard on the V3 design. So when when one of us is focused in, the other one will take hold of support. So currently, if you email support, you will get a reply from me because that's what I'm focused on. Um, I've got a list at the end of the day. I'm sort of all over the place quite a lot. What happens with me is I start focusing in when we're doing some big 
macro level work so version two for example i was just focused every single day was just grinding but outside of that i'm sort of yeah i'd say i'm fluid yeah i mean about you um i like to just have uh, a list of typically two to three things that i need to get done for the day uh accomplish those and then see where i'm at in terms of energy and motivation so today it is recording this with jack um it's doing some support and it's editing episodes of another show that i host and then if i finish those things then i'll get to other things oh and i was also working on the i was also working on the cats that we got from natalie the illustrator um and seeing how they fit uh in the design because i really i really want to get those uh published as soon as possible because i love those cats they're so good. So it's just, for me, it's a simple, I use IA writer and I write a simple bulleted task list. And then I just go through each one and check them off. Typically each of them are an hour or two. Yeah. One of the things I've, I've always been interested in this and I was interested in this kind of stuff before Fathom was successful. You know, I, I watch all the successful people and I think, well, you know, what are they doing that I'm not doing? I just think it's a focus on the right things. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Focus on the right things. Think about how they take you towards your goal. I'm, I'm becoming very aware of that nowadays. So with consulting, I've had to stop doing consulting on the basis that it doesn't take me towards our goal. And our goal with Fathom is to grow a multi-million dollar independent company. That's, that's I mean, that's my goal. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's a company goal as such, but... That's certainly my goal. I'm okay. Um, I'm okay with it. If we keep doing things, <laughs> or if we keep doing things the right way and the way that we're doing it, I'm I'm okay with that. Pr- principle based, just sticking to principles yeah. as well and staying independent. That's a huge one. Yeah, I think. So no, it's what makes the most biggest biggest impact. That's that's a huge thing. Yep. So last question, Jack's new r- workout routine from Sebastian. Do you have a do you have a new workout routine? Can you work out? Do you have enough energy now that you're not drinking monster energy drinks every single second? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sebastian's. This is a wind up. Um, <laughs> I have not started working out yet. I've changed my my diet, and this this might be interesting to some people, vegans and non vegans. So I'm eating a like a low carb keto style diet, which I've done before. And for those who listen to the podcast, you know that my history was actually with a product called Raw Gains. So I was interested in the fitness and bodybuilding stuff before I put on a load of weight and got chubby. So at the moment, I'm running a low carb diet, and it's insane. So let's tie this into the business and productivity now. Sure. I would, I used to eat a kind of strange diet and it would have sugar, some complex carbs, a lot of simple carbs and just a bit of everything. It wasn't really planned or structured for my energy. Now I'm also fasting. So I will, I'm not intentionally fasting. It's just what I do. So I haven't eaten this morning. It's about 11 a.m. my time. Um, I might eat at midday. I might, I might have, you know, 1500 calories. I then won't eat again until midday the next day. And what's really fascinating is after you get past the initial hunger, my energy's up. So right now I've got tons of energy and it's just the weirdest thing in the world. And it's because I'm not having these constant spikes um, from the carbs. And I'm not, I'm not a low-carb zealot. Don't get it twisted. I'm, I'm very much not that. But interestingly, and I've said this to you before, when I eat like this, my energy is just insane. So I can just ping around on everything. I've got a to-do list and, you know, ping through that. Whereas before, you know, energy was up and down and I had to rely on caffeine and monster energy drinks. And then just as we were talking about getting sponsored by monster energy drinks, I stopped drinking monster energy drinks. So 
But yeah, I'm very interested about how diet impacts productivity. Obviously, you've got your health as well and your your weight. You know, I need to. I want to drop about eighty pounds, I'd say. But just the energy, I just it's blown me away. I, I think so, and that's... Paul's, Paul's going to say, "Don't eat all the animals." <laughs> no, I'm actually not. I'm going to say that it makes sense that because food has such a huge impact on energy, and a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, want to have the energy to run their business because it takes quite a bit of energy. Yeah, I think paying does. attention to your energy levels based on what you eat. And I, I've been doing this for probably about 10 years now, paying attention to um, the energy that I have. For a while, I kept a food journal. For a while, I did elimination diets and slowly introduce things to see how it impacted. That's initially why I gave up dairy is because I realized if I stopped eating and drinking dairy for a couple weeks... I felt a thousand times better and I stopped getting uh, like colds and chest infections every week. <laughs> what kind of dairy? Um, milk, cheese, the usual craft dinner. <laughs> the, Pasta. The yeah. usual. Um, so yeah, for me, currently, I'm trying to follow a bit of a macro thing at the moment, which seems to be pretty good and just kind of dialing in protein to fat to carbs. Also not doing um, refined sugars or processed sugars or added sugars. If I'm, if I'm got, and I have such a sweet tooth, if I'm craving sweets, uh, I eat um, a banana or an apple or something with fiber in it. So, I, and that's mm -hmm. um, natural sugar. So I try to try to do that. I can't fast. I've tried fasting so many times. My body will not let me uh, deal with fasting. So I try to eat uh, probably five or six smallish meals a day lunch is typically my biggest meal um and i just have the one coffee a day in the morning sometimes i make sometimes i like coffee so quickly sometimes i make it at night i put it in like my little yeti uh with a screw top cap so when i wake up and brush my teeth i can have my coffee uh right That's away fucking genius <laughs> I've never thought of that. It's still hot as well. And then I don't have to run the espresso machine. I don't wake my wife up if she's still asleep because I wake up at like five o'clock, six o'clock most days. So yeah, I think paying attention to energy is such a huge thing. And I think food and exercise uh, are really the two biggest things for paying attention to energy, right? Like if I exercise too much, I don't have any energy. If I don't exercise at all, I don't have any energy. So it's finding that sweet spot there. And the sweet spot is playing to your strengths and yeah, listening to what your body does. Yeah. Like I say, I'm so surprised. I never thought I'd be thriving so much on a low carb diet and I was very much not in, not that interested in it. I've done it before, right? And I, I've never enjoyed it. And now it's just my energy's just there. Even without caffeine, I haven't even had a coffee today. Wow. And my energy's just, yeah, I put a coffee on my desk and had a sip, but I haven't, normally it take it used to take me two coffees to even be able to talk. You huh. know? And now at the end of the day, I'm still, you know, my daughter's running around because she has unlimited energy and I'm just ping, ping, ping. And yeah, and that really ties into obviously being there for your family and everything else, but it ties into running a business because yes, having a startup is a lot of work. It's a lot of mental work. You would not believe some of the stuff that we've been going through over the last few weeks with regards to um, legal and everything like that. And it's for the benefit of the customers. It's all worth it. It's great. The business is going to benefit from it, but you need energy. So Keto, no keto. What Paul said, it comes down to focusing on what you're eating and keeping your energy up. Very important. I do. I do have some uh, a mix of something called keto burgers 
which I have a man. They're That's vegan as well. I haven't made them yet. That's amazing. They require um, half a cup of oil in them because I guess keto is higher fat, lower carb. I think. That's so, right. So I hear. I don't have <laughs> so I don't have oil. I don't have oil or butter in the house because we don't we don't eat those things or cook with those things. So I have this, and it looks delicious. The keto burgers look really tasty, but I'm mm. like I can't. I can't make these yet. I'm going to need to buy a bottle of oil if I want to make them because I, I literally don't cook with okay. fat. That's so crazy to me, but you know, <laughs> we're, this, is, this is good though because there's two diff, completely different eating styles at play here and both of them can be utilized to give you energy. For sure. sure. There's no one way to do it, which I like. All right, my friend. Uh, those are all the questions. Let me just hit refresh on this Twitter thread. Um, and I oh, think we 20, can... 20 new questions. Can we just... <sighs> the 20 new questions that have just come in, I've got 35 DMs. Can we just ignore those and do them um, another time? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. All right, let's get back to work. I got some, I got some interfaces to do. You've got some com- compliance code to do. <laughs> Talk about needing energy. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you when we see you.